WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate series to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies reviews and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommonplace. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I have with me Jen Nash. Now, before I get into Jen Nash, I want to say something. Um, we have been living through a trying period in time with COVID-19, um, the switching of presidents, all kinds of things have happened in life. So everyone has ups and downs. But Jen Nash has a truly amazing story. And before I give anything away, I'd like to say hi to Jen Nash. How are you doing? I'm good. Hi, JR. I'm all right. Glad that you're doing all right. Now, the major question that it, that comes up in a podcast is uh, usually who is the person? So before we even get into that, I want to ask you this question. If you could go back in time to 2018 and the knowledge that you have now going into 2019 and 2020, would you do anything different? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is a great question. Um Yeah, I probably I probably would have looked at my relationships a little bit differently and been more aggressive about looking for community because I was in a relationship with someone who was really wealthy and we traveled a lot. But the problem is when you're traveling, you're not grounded. You don't have a community around you. And when you go into a pandemic and you don't have trusted neighbors, local friends, I think you're giving up too much. And so I think all the people that have, you know, neighbors and people that they, family that they reach out to and they potted with, you know, like P-O-D-D-E-D, you know, those people I think really came out ahead. And so I think I would have stockpiled almost like, where am I living? Who am I bonding with? How am I creating greater connection? Okay. Okay. And I can agree with you with that because uh, me and my girlfriend, we travel with my job, which I explained to you earlier. And we're even with the pandemic, I was still traveling, but we got stuck in Ohio. So I understand exactly what you mean, because like when I was out there, I I went from Ohio to West Virginia to Virginia and North Carolina. I just did those four states. And it was like, I didn't have friends anymore. I was kind of isolated because I constantly move around. So it was, so I definitely get that. Now onto the question that we always ask at the very beginning of the episode, who is Jen Nash? And you don't have to be brief. You can be lengthy. We want to know who you are. We, we want to be personable with you once we have the answer from you. 
Thank you so much for that question, Dara. Um, well, I am, I think I would start by saying I am a people loving person. And it's funny because in my bio, I say I'm a super connector because I really believe that every person that you meet really is to some degree, you know, a gift that you get to unwrap if you're curious, if you lean in. And I think my people loving approach comes across in a couple of different ways. Like I like to show up in my life, probably a little bit bigger than a lot of people. You know, there's, there's a, the book that I wrote is called the big power of tiny connections, you know, and it's how small interactions spark awesome outcomes. And the, there's a chapter in it on how to be a better person. And, uh, it's interesting. I learned a lot from, going to different art and music festivals, believe it or not. One of them is called Burning Man and it's out in the desert and they have 10 radical principles. And, you know, the radical principles probably shift me, shifted me tremendously. And I became someone that really believes in how do you show up and gift everyone around you? You know, how do you show up and are just radically individual in a way that's also going to add value to the people around you like people dress up and it's funny because I often have conversations with men about you know dressing up at a at a whatever you want to call these festivals right they're they're gatherings really and they're not into it and I said but the problem that you're not realizing is when I dress up and I create a headdress or I create something magical and you see me at 6 a.m. on a sunrise, that's like a heart moment for you because I look magical. I look fantastical. So if you do the same for me, we're gifting each other visually. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. But like I will show up with individually wrapped candies when I go check in for a plane and I offer that to the counter person because you know what? Probably most people are just asking them for their help. And I, I'm like, how can I make their day better? I, I, I know everybody's thinking, oh, you just want an upgrade. I have never gotten an upgrade. And I, I know, I know it's shocking me too. <laughs> um, so like, I'm a person that probably, I'm a little, um, most people think I'm definitely a little, little loopy. I'm a little off to the center. I'm not your, your normal kind of person. I speak a lot of languages. I can say thank you in over 40 languages, which um, I explained at the beginning of the book. It's like my collection. You know, some people collect dolls, figurines, or comic books. I collect thank yous. Um, and I have a pretty good ability to hear people's accents and to be able to pick the right thank you for them while I'm traveling. <laughs> it's nice. And in New York, I live in New York. Um, you know, cab drivers and deli owners or, you know, bodega owners or whatever the local businesses are. I have a pretty good ability to be like Afghani, Korean, you know, uh, Middle Eastern. I mean, I'll just go with Arabic, you know, Turkish, you know, it's such a nice melting pot here. And it's, it's joyful to see the look that sparks on their face when I get it right. And that's, that's that connection, that human connection is really powerful. So that's sort of like the how I show up in the world. Cause you said like, who am I? And that, I think how I show up is a big part of that. But otherwise um, I really support other people being 
their best selves. So I'm an executive coach, I'm a writer, um, and the book has a lot of sections called Let Me Tell You a Story. I'm a masterful storyteller. And I do corporate trainings about around storytelling because when people can lean in to how they connect with other people, magic happens. And you know, knowing the right kind of story, I mean, there's different kinds of story archetypes, knowing the right one. Is this a love story? Is this a revenge story? Are we trying to like overcome the competition? Can really be powerful at work because then you know your audience and you're connecting better with your audience. And even if you're just doing a little upsell presentation, it's gonna land a lot better. So I spent a lot of time really trying to help other people connect and whether they're connecting with their passions um, and building more powerful lives or they're connecting with their company's mission, I'm all about it. Okay, now so going into connecting, we'll just go there real fast. How do you help someone connect that doesn't know that they need to connect. How does that work out? Well, I mean, because you're uh, the super connector. Yeah, but I mean, I think to some degree, you, you're hoping that people have a sense of lack. Like if someone thinks they're perfect, no one's going to change, right? Like that's like the person that's, you know, 100 pounds overweight and doesn't think that there's a health issue there, right? I'm, I'm not going to be able to help them. Um, <laughs> but like the person, the person that that has an inkling that their life could be better. Um, I have a whole chapter on excuses we tell ourselves. And, and basically it's like, I don't need any more friends. You know, I don't need to go out and uh, connect. My life is great. Like I actually ask questions in the book. Like, do you, do you have all the friends you want? Are they the kind of friends that you really want? Are they quality, right? Are you getting a level of love and vulnerability that you need to flourish as a human? And, or are you, you know, a little sort of stymied in your career? Because when you go out, you can, you can mingle for fun, you can mingle for, for advancement, or you can mingle for money. Like you want to get a better job. You want to move up a ladder, you know, mingle away. Um, and so the book, I hope, inspires people to look at every little situation in a different way. Like one of my stories that I tell, I go on a whole adventure because I had a conversation with a bartender and it's a pretty crazy adventure. I end up in a Panamanian jail. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I get rescued by a Panamanian television celebrity who also happens to be a senator who was the only person the bartender introduced me to in Panama. It's a great story. But like, so, like, like, what are the chances that most people pay attention to that? Because they're like, oh, it's a bartender. Who, who cares what someone does? You know, when you when you take time to talk to people and find out what they think and where they're going, I think you can learn a lot. And that's amazing. That right there sounds like it could be a Michael Bay or even a Saturday Night Lifetime movie, just in a nutshell there. So your book, the Big Power of Tiny Connections, How Small Interactions Spark Awesome Outcomes. At what point in life did you get inspired to write this book? And then here's the major twist in this question. What type of self-care did you get from writing this? Because I talk to lots of authors and some authors don't get any care. It's just like they're just making a reference because they have a lot of experience and they're like, hey, I'm writing off these experiences. So someone doesn't make a mistake, which I don't call it a mistake. I call everything a lesson. There's no mistakes in life. Um, 
So what, what inspired this book? What time did you just decide that, hey, it's time to write this book? And what type of self-care did you get from this? Can you just elaborate on the question, what type of self-care did I get? Do you mean like, how did writing the book support me or did I get support outside of my life while I was writing the book? Well, what I'm saying about the self-care, like sometimes we have wounds, we have things that are unearthed (laughs) when we're writing and we get care from there. Like for instance, when I wrote a small book about when I traveled from Virginia to Alaska to talk to, to talk to the girl I thought was, that I was going to marry, I didn't end up marrying her, but I had a cross country journey and a lot of self-discovery and the self-healing I got there was that I realized that nor me nor her were the people we thought we were when we were in that small little town in Virginia. When we were in Alaska, we were two totally different people. We had grown apart, moved apart. And I was all right with that. And then I left Alaska, went back home. <laughs> so the self-care I got from that was that I, that I was living a facade, you know, mm-hmm. and I got out of that very fast. Um, okay, then thank you for, for sharing. I, I have a better understanding. So I started writing this book um, in 20, yeah, in 2019, uh, no, 2020. So we had been in the pandemic for about six months when I started hunkering down and trying to crank out 2000 words a day. Um, at that point, my relationship was not doing well. And I, I think the self-care that I got was realizing how important, you know, really connective and relational humanity was in my life and people who show up and who are able to go deeper with you. And I think, you know, writing the stories about how people had changed my life because they were open and they did show up and then writing those stories for other people. Cause I tell stories from, from all sorts of walks of life in the book. Um, Cause I interviewed a lot of people just trying to find how these little tiny moments you know, sitting next to someone on a bus changed their life. Like what is the ripple effect when you show up? And so I think also like being able to write and dedicate a book to my mom was really lovely. She's always wanted me to write a book and she died in 2016. So kind of knowing that I was finally going to do something that she had been like harping on for the last 20 years (laughs) was really nice. And like, you know, it's, it's dedicated to her and to my best friend, one of my best friends who, who kept on saying, Jen, write the book, write the book. Whenever I had downtime, she'd be like, write that book. And so to be able to like, oh, gotta love the New York city horns. (laughs) Welcome to New York people. Welcome to New York city. Um, you know, I think that was really soothing and it gave me a sense of, you know, lineage pride which was really nice okay now um you spoke about your mom and I always love to hear about people that help the enhancers in our life because our parents they're special but they're enhancers in your lifetime what what made you write this book for your mom obviously I mean there's personal reasons but like what what made you like feel like like this was a proud moment for your mom and you when you finished that book and sent it off to the publisher. Like what, what did that moment feel like? And are there any chapters in there that are related to your mom that have her insight or her, or just her wisdom coming flowing from her through you? 
Oh, for sure. The prologue, which you can read for free on Amazon. So just type in Jen Nash and don't click the diabetes book, click the other book. Um, the, so the prologue is a really funny story all about my mom and how she spoke so many languages and she ran around, you know, she, she would often speak the wrong language to the, to the, to, to the right people, obviously, but um, she would get it wrong all the time. And she's one of the reasons that I evolved, you know, how I approached my multi-language sort of connection. And so there's a whole little story about that. And I think I have a very specific uh, perspective on the world. I have, I mean, I don't wanna say I have clear vision of what is right and wrong, cause that's not really what it is, but I, I have a clear vision of how people could be awesome all the time for each <laughs> other, you know, and I don't think it's hard. Um, I will say I got, I gained, I gained greater insight into how much so many of us are struggling through the pandemic, like how getting through the day, um, and just worrying about the bare minimum for yourself and your family was too much for, for a lot of people. So I've gained a little wisdom around that, but like in how I show up for my friends and my family, I'm definitely the one that's often like checking in, especially if someone's had a death or they're sick. I, I send texts all the time that just say, I'm thinking of you because to me, knowing someone gives a crap is really important. And I don't think we do that enough. And like someone dies, you, you, you send a card. Is that seriously all that person's going to get in terms of like feeling connected in their, in their group? I hope not. So like, I try and remember that grief is honestly a year plus. And I'm, I often like try and make a note in my calendar of when that person's birthday might've been that passed or what else I could do just to show up because like that first Christmas after that person passed, that first birthday after the person passed, like those are rough. So I try and really think about that stuff for other people and show up. And I think that is probably one of the big reasons my mom really wanted me to write this book. Cause she's like, share that, share, share who you are. The problem is when your mom tells you to write a book and share who you are, what do you write? I don't know. I spent a lot of years just looking at her and saying, mom, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I landed, I landed on connections. And um, you did say something about uh, your vision. Um, one thing I always like to talk to people about, and I'll talk to you about this, um, different periods in life. Uh, there's three things. There's uh, OPEC, there's translucent, and there's transparent. Life right now is transparent for you. It was translucent during the time that you were traveling around, I believe. And when was life OPEC for you? Um. Honestly, I would actually say leading up to the pandemic, I think it was opaque in terms of the fact that I, I did not have clear vision of where we were going. And I think in my personal life and in my work life, I didn't have clarity. And I think even though last year was the hardest year I think I've ever lived, I think through the hardships, most people step into greater perspective for themselves and their lives. And I, I always say, nobody changes while they're sitting cozy on the couch. 
people change because life sucks. You know, people change because they're sad, they're, they're hurt, they're, and they want more. And so like, I, I wrote the book because I hope that a lot of people want more. And this like, you know, big power of tiny connections, it really is like a love story of encouragement for people wanting more. And I, I definitely get it. I've been there. Okay. And uh, like you said, uh, you've had uh, adversity that happened early on in life. And then you had adversity in 2020. 2020 was uh, what I would call from the information I've read about you was your pivot year, correct? So if you wouldn't mind uh, indulging us just with a a little bit of uh, early times and life in 2020 without giving too much, because we want people to go read your book and we'll do a shameless plug right after this. Oh, Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, so when I was was a teenager, I grew up around the world. We traveled a lot. And I think one of the reasons connections became really important is if, if anybody listening has, you know, a teenager, they know how important friends are. But I moved 10 times by the time I was uh, 17. And um, I was living in Australia at the time and I was 16 and my dad was diagnosed with manic depression. And so apparently manic depression can be latent and it lives within your cells and it can be sparked by different disease states. And he, he got hep C, um, we believe while traveling in Korea, we're not entirely sure. Um, long story there, but within a couple of years, his manic depression was really not being well controlled by lithium. And so when I was 18, he killed himself and Yeah, and that was um, really hard on, I think primarily on my mom because she had two, you know, high school aged kids. By then we were living in Canada. And so she had two kids about to go into college. My brother's a year younger than I am. And she, you know, she had a house, but she didn't have any savings um, because my dad in a manic depressive fit had basically like spent everything. And my mom is an interesting person. She, she didn't begrudge him this. I think a lot of people would have been very angry. And her attitude was it's money he made. You know, he was a provider. Um, you know, I got the house. That's something like she was, she was very kind about it, but it was incredibly stressful to be financially abandoned like that for our family. And we'd had, not that we'd had plenty, but we were well looked after traveling. My dad worked in marketing. So I think, that was a big pivot. And I think it really forced me, especially in my family to realize like you, you need to be in a certain amount of togetherness to, to, to keep going, you know? And I think maybe at 18, it's a bit young to sort of get that hard edge, but I was like, okay, I need to like get my shit together and, you know, be a financial baller if if possible, because otherwise you end up like my mom, you know, in her fifties and stranded with two kids and not enough money. And that was a real fear, I think. And I think financial insecurity is something that is generational. And my mom definitely had it and her mom definitely had it. Um, And so then coming back to 2020, like, yeah, having a relationship crumble in the middle of a pandemic and I don't have a traditional job, as I was telling you, because coaching comes and goes. And it was 
you know, the pandemic thing switched from being in person, we were doing live trainings and there was, you know, a bit of a soft, you know, crackle on the phone line where you're like, hello, hello, where are we going? You know, so that uncertainty paired with the uncertainty in the relationship was really eye-opening again. So yeah, not my favorite years. <laughs> yeah, that, I can understand. Does, does that answer where, where you're going? Um, yes, yes, it does. And so sorry to hear about your, your dad. And obviously you blossomed from out of that and great things are coming to fruition from that and some bad things. But the good thing is, is that you're here today and yeah. you have a positive message. And 2020, I know that was a rough year. Um, on this show, um, I'm 36 years old. I pay homage to 2020, the news magazine that comes on ABC. Um, Diane Sawyer, John Stossel, he was the comedian. We've done a little bit of a comedic uh, relief one here. Um, and then you had Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters asked some hard-hitting questions. Um, she made the guests, in my favorite word, personable. She made that person more authentic inside the interview. So, Jen Nash, you're on the hot seat now. We're going to do some 2020 questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Now, in wait, wait, life. The goal is the goal to get me to cry. No, no, no. The, the goal here, <laughs> the goal here is, is to, um, these questions are going to kind of twist your head a little bit. Okay. Well, here we go. All, All right. right. Um, one thing in life that everyone sees, uh, I've been through New York not too long ago. I traveled through here to go to Boston. Obviously, I'm in West Virginia, so I got to come through New York City. Um, you guys have billboards. If there was a billboard up, let's say we're, we'll use the little jumbotron in Times Square. Yep. You, you, if you're on the jumbotron right now, what would be your mission statement, and what look would you make? Only I'll be able to see your look, but what look would you make on that jumbotron, and what would your message read out? Okay, can we pretend we're not in a pandemic? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think the message would be that like, you know, I don't think you get a lot of words on the jumbotron. I think it would be hug 10 people today and tell them that you love them. Okay. Now that's in New York city. New York city is a, is a melting pot. Like you said, you know, yeah. over 40 different ways to say thank you to people. Yeah. Um, so let's travel to St. Louis. St. Louis is a, have you ever been there? No, but it sounds nice. All right, so St. Louis, it's in the middle of the United States. It's a place, doesn't matter if you're east, north, west, south, you're going to come through the Midwest to yeah. get to other places. Yeah. yeah. All right, out there, you got a billboard because they don't have jumbotrons. And that billboard is facing um, a place that we're going to talk about in just a second. What would be on that billboard in St. Louis? Well, I think you have to tell me what kind of place it's facing. It's going to be facing a stadium that you're going to be giving a TED Talk at. Oh, wow. Um, I think if I'm giving a TED talk in the stadium across, I would think I would say everyone, you know, has the power to change your life and you have the power to change theirs. Okay. Now with that statement, that statement catapults you into a certain level of notoriety. You end up at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. <laughs> And you're on stage and the stage, your mic and everything is present. The light hits you the right way. The other light that shouldn't hit you, hits you anyway. And you're about to give your TED talk. What are the first 
few lines that you're going to give at your TED Talk. I, I would start with something that would resonate with people. You know, I would start with something along the lines of You know, I never expected that the person sitting next to me that day would change my life, but they did. And back up and tell a story so that I could really connect with my audience at the beginning of that TED Talk and really show them how the fact that I wasn't on my phone, I wasn't reading a magazine, and I was just open-minded to like have this moment with this stranger, how that changed my life. Yeah. Okay. Now there's something called pressure. Pressure in West Virginia takes coal and makes diamonds and it does it in other places too. Mm-hmm. So the pressure's on you. Um, you have your book, it's out. Your book's going to do well because you're favorable. Um, you have this aura, kind of like uh, the word I like to use is charisma. Uh, charismatic enigmas are hard to find because you can't buy, sell, or manufacture charisma. So thank you. The pressure, the pressure to follow up this book, what would be the next form factor for you after the book, after the book's presented itself, it's put itself in a place and it's put you in a certain area. Cause we don't worry about status because status doesn't mean anything. That's trendy. Right. We don't want to be trendy. No. So, so you're in a, the stratosphere now and you left another part of the atmosphere. You're in the stratosphere. What's the next form factor for you? What is the form factor? What I mean by form factor is this, you write the book, the book excels, you coach like you do now is the next thing you're going to do. Would, would there be like some type of uh, documentary of you traveling around with this book what kind of media would follow oh, what this? kind of media yeah what's the next form um, factor would it be a would it be a podcast would it be you know it's interesting like if I could pick anything I would love to do snack I would love to do a snackable podcast where just 10 minutes and you have different people that tell these crazy little stories about how these little moments of connection change their lives and, and all it is, is I don't know if you've heard of The Moth. That's like another great podcast. Yes. Um, I love listening to people's real life stories. Some of them are good. Some of them are great. But um, I feel like when people hear real life people telling a story that totally opened their eyes or made them see something in a different way or changed their lives, their livelihood, you know, I think it's really inspiring. So yeah, that, that would be awesome. But um, no, I mean, I think being able to connect with, uh, you know, a different type of client probably would also be awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm really passionate about helping, you know, women step into like living greater impactful lives with their abundance and doing so without guilt or shame. And so being able to help more people and doing that with clarity of mind, I think that would be found at fa- fantastic. Okay. Now, here goes your Barbara Walters question. And this is a very important question because this tells a lot about yourself. And people listening to this podcast will go from here and they will reach out to you. You will coach them through life. They will read your book. They will get enhanced and form new opinions and new ideas and go from there. 
at the end of the day, when you let your hair down, after you've taken care of the world, what is your personal self-care for yourself when you're done? I'll give you an example for me. It's doing this podcast because I meet different people. Obviously, we're doing everything remote now, but I get hear so many interesting stories that I can sit back and I'm like, man, I've got folklores now. I can tell you about Jen Nash in New York City, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, actually, yes, uh, human connection is definitely one of my go-tos. Um, it's, it's part self-care, but also part battery charge. Um, I'm a huge fan of taking care of your body. So I actually try and get massages. I mean, I would love to get a massage once a week. That's a goal, but like I, I, I go, um, as often as I can. Um, and I think that, that time is so healthy and, and helpful and I love to walk and bike. So I bike around the city. I run errands on my bike and I find that meditative and grounding and same for walking. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I have long conversations with friends, but that feels really regenerative to me when I'm like moving, but also getting a dose of connection from someone that I care about. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Now here's the last thing. And this is major. You answer the Barbara Walters question and I'm just throwing in a bonus one because that was a good one. All right. So you've taken care of yourself. You're regenerated. You've helped people and you notice in your day-to-day life if you're outside somewhere on a bike riding around in central park you see someone that's down because you can visually see that you have the skills and the aura to pick that up i can tell what do you say to that person that's down in central park Okay, we're just going to take take out the element that I think maybe they're like crazy and we're just going to assume that they are a really <clears throat> kind human. Yeah, um, during the day. Yeah, and they are really struggling. Um, you know, I did a lot of reading about grief last year and having grief witnessed is very powerful. So I might start with, would you like me to sit with you? You know, and I... Believe it or not, I I walked up to a a young man who was sobbing at a funeral at a beach and I and I asked him if I could cry with him because he was so heartbroken. And one of the things that I've learned is if you can share in someone's pain, if you can share in their grief and hold space for what they're going through, it's going to give them a tremendous exhale. So I would sit next to him and hold space with him and see how he responded. Maybe he wants to talk or maybe he just wants someone to be there while he's not having a good time and give him that option. Because if you're sitting there and he wants to talk, he probably will. But if he doesn't, he just wants to be witnessed having a terrible day. Maybe just having that person show up and care is enough. And I really appreciate that. Um, And even in my personal life, uh, I lost someone in 2019 and I had anger for some reason. And I didn't know my anger was grief mm-hmm. until, you know, later on after, you know, you, you get introspective and go back and look at things. Um, so thank you for that there. Now, we didn't do a shameless plug. Shameless plug is something in this episode where we <laughs> are able to uh, get the audience to reach out to you. And we'll definitely have some amazing show notes with all the links and places okay. to find you. Um, 
I always like my guests because they usually provide me with information, which you're very great about that. So shameless plug real quick, Jen Nash, where can everyone meet you, greet you, and not necessarily see you at the front door, but have interaction with you? Um, so uh, I am jennash.com, J-E-N-N-A-S-H.com online. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of extra downloads. There's like free giveaways on the site. So feel free to swing by, sign up, say hi. Um, I am money instigator on Instagram. I, I might be changing that, but I am still money instigator on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they're curious and, uh, you know, I am purchasable pretty much anywhere and I'm absolutely supporting local bookstores. So I'm telling everyone, take the time, go into your local bookstore, buy the book, order it, they'll get it in. And, you know, also you got your steps up by walking somewhere. And, uh, otherwise I'm on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, chapters, and to go all, all the places online. I'm everywhere. Just okay. The big power of tiny connections. Mm-hmm. Jen Nash. Now, thank you for that. So real quick, um, I'd like to give everybody a little testimony real quick. Jen Nash, uh, you have something that a lot of people want in life. And that's this big word, fortitude. Fortitude goes a long ways. Fortitude uh, sometimes gets misconstrued for having courageous moments. No, fortitude is more than that. It's being brave when you don't have to be brave. You've gone through some ups and downs. Uh, your 2020 alone, for most people, would have broken them, made them a shallow self, and it didn't do that to you. It's kind of like you're like that phoenix that rose out of the ash. And that is a very hard story to tell people because we sometimes want to be selfish with that. We want to keep that inside. And I want to thank you for that because so many people do keep that story inside. They get better and then they just give half the story or the pieces that fit right. But you're giving the whole raw detail. That is something that, like I said, once again, a lot of people won't do. They'll they'll candy coat certain parts, but you're bearing your soul in your book. And that there is fortitude. So I want to thank you for that. Pat yourself on the shoulder, commend yourself. Uh, When you look in the mirror, do your hair a different way that you did did, uh, today. And um, from that point on, I want you to always know that it's more, yeah, (laughs) it's more than just an influence. That, that you are because an influence like I said I don't worry with the trendy things uh, so it's not an influence it's a it's more of a I'm not going to say a religion I'm not going to even say it's a cult it's more like it's uh, an intuition that you will push forward with the way that you are that intuition you have will breed other people to have similar intuition we don't want all the same because then we'd all be square so the thing that I want to leave you with on, on that notice is that your fortitude is going to help people man, woman, child, non-binary, whatever. You're going to move mountains. And I want to thank you for letting West Virginia and Commonplace be a part of that. Because this is etched in stone. This is in history. Once it's loaded up and gone to wherever it's going to go, it's going to go there and it'll be there. So I want to thank you once again for that. And it has been a pleasure having you in West Virginia and Commonplace. Oh, well, JR, it's been absolutely lovely. And I love how really excited and present you have been and how much work you put in to your questions and you know your responses you you really just showed up in such a beautiful way so thank you i appreciate you all right and then the last part of the show we like to give a shout out to people that build us up 
people that burn bridges. It doesn't matter because each person on any side of a bridge or even the one that set the fire to it molded, shaped us uh, in some ways into the formation of who we are today. So who would you like to give a big shout out to, a big thank you, um, a big virtual hug to? Ooh. Besides my mom, because she can't hear it, um, I would give a big shout out to Sylvia Day. Um, she she really supports all the time. And that woman is so hardworking. And uh, she's just like such a rock, a rock to so many people. And uh, I know that it, it touches her to know that she's deeply loved. Thank okay. you. Okay. And I want to thank you for that. And audience, um, this podcast is on like 13 or 14 different platforms. And once again, you can find out a ton of information about Jen Nash through the, sh the show notes and my people over on Tumblr and the bots and whoever else that's going to create amazing SEO for this. Remember that Jen Nash has a website, which I'm going to get her to plug real fast. J-E-N-N-A-S-H.com. JenNash.com. <laughs> right. Uh, you can head over there. After you hear this podcast, get engaged, uh, find out about her amazing book, which I'm going to let her give you the amazing title again. The Big Power of Tiny Connections. And from there, you can make connections with her. She is a USB hub. And I think that uh, settles it. I am JR signing off. And once again, this was Jen Nash with me. And to all the listeners, check out her book. The Big Yay. Power of Tiny Connections, How Small Interactions Spark Awesome Outcomes. Yep. You can find it everywhere. Yep. And it's got such a cute title, a cute cover. <laughs> and once again, guys, I'm signing off. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I, I was like just going to end the That was funny. Oh, shit. Yeah. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram. Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn, hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site, join the email list from the website, and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode. <laughs>